It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. And welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition, as we get things going for another month before we start to ramp, ramp things up week by week, uh, starting in late October, early November. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor. Chad Brendel from Bearcat Journal and Rick Roaring from Musketeer Report. We got a lot of ground to cover, fellas, so let's get right to it. Uh, schedules for just about everybody, uh, really for everybody, finalized. We'll look at UC schedule, Xavier schedule, Kentucky schedule, NKU schedule. We got some recruiting news to get to, and we got some uh, kind of ramping into practices uh, for each of Xavier. Two weeks UC. away. I know. How about that? That that, that just sounds let's way go. too early. I know. Let's it just go. sounds odd, doesn't it? The next time we talk together, people have practiced. We'll have actual information about Correct. watching these teams get up and down the court against each other and coaches punting basketballs into the stands and being furious. It'll be good. It, 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 it is great. It feels like college football, NFL just started, and basketball is here like that. Hey, and if you're a Bengals fan, that's that's, that's what you want, thing. baby. You are pumped that, that basketball is, is that, here. That is the best thing, no doubt about it. All right, let's, uh, let's look at the schedules because they, they are finalized for all schools. We, we kind of knew who they were going to play, but yeah. it's, it's now in, in some semblance of war. I'll start with you, Chad Brendel, in the UC Bearcats. Um there is a stretch of four games non-conference that are that are pretty good, and when you look at when we did this pretty last good. year, well, but it's pretty good. I, I'm still not so There's sure. There's three top Mississippi fifteen teams in there. there, but you got Xavier, Florida, Mississippi State, UCLA in a two-week period. Um, nobody in between those. It's it's those four. Well, I mean, they, the the Cayman Islands Classic is actually going to be. Decent in terms of yeah they got what Richmond UAB and, and then, then Iowa probably Iowa, okay. so those are going to be three solid RPI games you're not going to get you know top fifty RPI games out of that but no, you should but you get three two fifty plus RPI you should get games. three top one fifty RPI games um, there are a couple stinkers in there Savannah State they couldn't control um, and then the four there's five other buy games Cleveland State should be okay and then the other four not good um, but. They were kind of in a rough situation this year because they didn't have a whole lot of scheduling options. Uh, sharing BB&T Arena with NKU and NKU's women and events that, that Northern it is, has it's, going it's, I mean, on. It is a lot. There's no There's doubt. There's a lot logistically that, that caused them some issues on there. So they've got four bad games, uh, but they've got some, some they, they've a got really strong couple weeks. Five outside the top 300, right? Well, I, I, yeah, but Savannah State they don't control. That's part of the Cayman Islands. Uh, classic thing. So my only thing would be this: we talked about it last year when the brackets came out that UC clearly got docked for their strength of schedule, and you can say that's because of the AAC and their non-conference, or just the AAC or whatever. But you look at things, and they're supposed to have one of their best teams, maybe their best team ever under Mick Cronin coming into this year. Is it a concern at all that? They lose one of those games they're not supposed to lose, and all of a sudden you're really getting docked for playing another bad uh, strength of schedule? Um, it's a problem as long as the AAC doesn't. If the AAC gets better, I don't think it's much of a problem. Um, I think when you looked at last year, what, you know, and this is my problem with the NCAA selection committee, is you never know year to year what, what, the, what, the, guidance what the guidance is. is. Yeah, but, but last year, a lot of it was on top 50 wins. And the only other team in the top 50 in the American Athletic Conference was SMU. So they didn't get any other bump. There was no... You have no chance. Yeah. I mean, they went two and a half, almost three months with two top 50 games. And that that was it. That's a killer. So you've got to count on Wichita State coming in, SMU staying strong, Central Florida being better, uh, Temple being better with Josh Brown back. You've got to hope there's... You can hope. Well, hold, you have maybe, to hope. Hold, maybe. hold on now, though, for a second. Yeah. Do you have to count on that, or 
UC used to play in Conference USA where the, their strength of schedule in conference wasn't going to be bad. Xavier used to play in the A-10 where their conference strength of schedule was going to be bad. They made up for that in the non-conference. So well, I mean, are you surprised at all that UC isn't doing that? I, I don't know how much more they could do in terms of... Well, again, don't you, schedule teams outside the top 300. Schedule okay, teams Rick, in that, the top that, 200. But, but in most years, I agree. But this year, they didn't have a lot to work with. They only had, like, five, these are the five dates you have. So when you start going around and, you know, now you schedule one and that date's out. And now you schedule two. You know, I mean, you're not working with what they normally get to work with uh, in terms of... We have Fifth Third Arena for whatever we want. Now it's, do you have this date open? No? Okay, thank you. Do you have this date open? Well, no? Okay, thank you. Let's face this part. They're not losing Savannah State, Western Carolina, Coppin State. Um, who else is on here? I just saw Alabama State. Cleveland State. Arkansas Pine Bluff, Cleveland State. So it comes down to what can you do in the Cayman Island tournament where you play Buffalo that's been an NCAA tournament yep. team in the recent past. I honestly don't know what they're going to be like this year. Bobby Hurley's gone, what, three yeah. years removed or whatever. They're still pretty there. good. Um, and then either Richmond or UAB, which, again, you can't afford a loss to, to that. And then, no, but then, those should be two and then solid Iowa would, 150 teams. Iowa would probably help you more than hurt you yeah. um, in that regard. So then it comes down to these four games. And, on, and there's no question that, that they are better than Mississippi State. That is technically a home game. At yeah, the but that should Arena. be a team that's better. They're young. Correct. Correct. And Howland's a good coach. All right, so it comes down to Xavier, Florida, UCLA. In order to get maybe the seed you would hope they get. What, None of them at home. Correct. What do you need to go in those three games? Two and one. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm not asking to sweep. I mean, that, that that's you're not going to sweep that, but no, you could, but I don't think you're going to. But I, th- I think that's the answer. I think you got him. You can't go one and two. Because yeah. Florida's neutral, right? Florida's Florida is neutral in uh, the in New, Jersey in New Jersey at the right. Prudential right. Center. Right. Um, Florida's a top ten, fifteen team. UCLA, I'm not sure about that. I mean, they've got an interesting roster. They do have an interesting roster, and they've got a couple guys back. But but, but and I don't know what their their record would be by the. It's early enough in the year. They may have by games before going to go into this. Um, um, I know they have Kentucky right back again this year. If I'm not mistaken, we'll look at Kentucky schedule here in a second. Um, So yeah, I mean, they could be ascended to a decent spot by the time they play. So that that so well, I mean, they're starting in top 15. Everybody has them pretty high up there, and then Xavier should be a top 15 team as well. So you've got three top 15 teams away from home if you go two and one those 300 games look a lot different because they don't really matter as much yeah and i will say i think there's a little more i mean even last year they played a good schedule those games were good that they played but they weren't as much the national splash games where people are watching you and paying a lot of attention to them i think this year all of those games are like national splash games they're national tv games too right right. well that's what i'm saying now now the other part is i mean it is a four-game non-conference. Usually when you have whatever you scheduled, you have something breather-wise no. in the middle of this. This is two weeks of hell. Yeah, I mean, you, you do have a week in between the Crosstown uh, showdown and going, to, and, and going to play in New Jersey yeah. um, against Florida. But then you don't have much of a stretch between Florida. you got a week, three games in a week between Florida and UCLA. Yeah, it's going to be a tough stretch. If this, if this team is as good as I think it is. Then you get through it. Then you get through it. Chief. I love Tom Gamble, but it's not the showdown. It's the shootout. shootout. I get them confused. They all get confused. I don't want to call one the other, the other one, whatever the hell it is. Um, and I, that does segue me, segue me then into Xavier. Um, it, is, it for both the game has always bounced around the map. I mean, last, well, there's no, there's two. The, when Xavier question, is, has is this, it, is this too early? Um, I I don't like it this early. December second, if anybody doesn't know, is the date. It's it is a little early. I'd prefer a little bit later in December, but I don't like it when it's in the conference season. I don't either. I think, I think we talked about that late. last year. 
I think this gives you something to look forward to earlier in the season when people are still in football mode. A lot of people are still watching college football and everything. Um, I like it this. I like it early, maybe not quite this early. I think the more interesting thing is that it's noon on a Saturday, and I understand that's because it's going to be a it. lot of conference championship games being played in football, so you avoid competing with right, them. Right. Uh, but it, it just, I think it takes a little bit away from the atmosphere when it's a noon on a Saturday. I do too. I, I don't love it. Yeah, I don't love I, I, at least like two, three. Yeah. Give people a little time to get lubed up. Yeah. I would like to see it, honestly, maybe the next to last game before you go into conference, if you could pull that off, then give yourself one breather game before conference and then hop into conference play. I I would prefer that. I mean. In all all honesty, though, especially at Xavier where you've got so many old people sitting down close to the floor anyway, day drinking is what they live for. Yeah. Like, if they can be home by 3 p.m. and asleep by 5 after drinking for three hours. And those new seats. They're in good shape. And comfy new seats with cup holders. Cup holders. Loved it. Loved it. Put a beer in there. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. Let's look at uh, at Xavier's schedule. Um, the highlight early, the Gavit game with Wisconsin. They finally didn't chicken out, which is a good thing, and to see them 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 on the on the schedule. But it is in Madison, so well, I guess they have no reason to chicken out. Yeah, of course, they're not chicken <laughs> out. Then it's two years removed from that shot, and they're right. back home. So. Right. Um, then they go to the uh, well. Then the other highlight, obviously, the Las Vegas Invitational. You get GW and then Kansas State, Arizona State. Um, Baylor's a return game on the schedule. Kent State, Colorado, um, and a return game with, with Northern Iowa. Is, is this just about right, or is it a little softer than what you would like? I think it's a little soft for Xavier's typical standards. Some of that they couldn't control because of the scrambling they did last well, you year. Well, yeah, the Northern Iowa's a return exactly. game, right? Baylor's a return game. Mm-hmm. Um, they would have had a return game with Utah, but that's where Wisconsin fits in. Is that right? Yeah, they ended up Colorado's, basically the Gavit games had to get them out of that game. Colorado's a return game. game. Yeah. So And so it, it's none of it's ideal. It's not exactly the schedule you would want if you're Xavier. But, again, they've kind of shifted their philosophy a little bit since they've made the move to the Big East. And you know you're going to face a really difficult schedule with a bunch of teams that are all within the top 100, likely, uh, if not better than that, in the conference play. So, it, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's not going to hurt them because their strength of schedule is still going to be fine. But it's not as strong as they'd like. Beware that Marshall game. Remember last year, they hit 14 threes in the first half like they did against UC. It could be 109.99, something along those lines. It'll be hot. It'll be up tempo. That'll be a fun one to watch. If you're a, if you're a Xavier fan looking to see a game that flies up and down the floor, the Marshall game will definitely be one you want right. to attend. And for both of you, we will look at the at the conference. Are we going to talk about Thomas Moore? Um, yeah. Did you make fun of that Kentucky no. playing Thomas Moore? I did. I know you did. You did. You didn't. Did you? No, I said I loved it. Okay, I'm just making sure because that's, that's an exhibition game for Xavier. One too. thing we didn't touch on: you see, going to Louisville to play Bellarmine. How about that? In their exhibition. Wild move by McCronin. I literally do not know another high major coach would do that. It's his best friend. Scotty Davenport, the head coach at Bellarmine. They coach together at at Louisville. I mean, it's a wild move. I mean, look. And they're playing on their campus? No, they're playing at Freedom Freedom Hall. Freedom Hall? Okay. Chris Mack had his son Doug on his staff for several years. Like, he's very close with him, too. He won't even play him anymore just because it does them no good in terms of preparing. They almost beat him the one year, right? Or did beat him? Yeah. Yeah. Was it almost or did? Bellarmine did beat them, and Transylvania almost did, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. It's a, well, UC at least has some familiarity because they play him every year, right. so they know. Right. But going down there to play him is 
is well, yeah, wild. and it's just like you're going to play a team that plays five out with no big men that all shoot mid range jumpers, which is literally the exact opposite of how every ma- high major division right. one team plays. Right, right. They, I'll tell you what, Bellarmine is real. They are really fun to watch. They're they are. really good, good at what they do. Yes, they are. They are. They, they lead the world in shoot field goal percentage and, like and, every year. And, and the funny part is, it's not a lot of layups. It, no, it's a lot. It's, no, it's, it's a, a bunch they, of fifteen footers, which is they what the every of, coach does not right. want. They are the king of the mid range jump shot, and they but shoot fifty three percent, something like that. Yeah, every year they're above fifty percent field goal percentage. It's wild. It is. They're, they're, they're a fun team to watch. Um, all right, let's jump over to Kentucky's schedule. And, and frankly, as much as you can look at UC and go, what are you thinking with all the three, 300, 250-plus games? They have, obviously, the, 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 the normal mix of Kansas, um, Louisville, UCLA is a return game. They are playing Virginia Tech, which will be a little more interesting. But you got Harvard and Monmouth and UIC and Fort Wayne and Troy and East Tennessee and they have Utah not Valley done a good job home and Vermont. Lately. That's brutal. Okay, so what happens when football shifts this thing to where we just have, like, four super conferences with 16 teams and football teams aren't playing stupid buy games anymore to support those other teams? You're right. What does basketball do? Like, because UK, would they still play this schedule? Would would the NCAA look at things differently, like the tournament committee? Could you take, you know, teams with 10, 12, 14 losses and still seed them high enough if they're playing a ridiculous schedule? I mean, is it hard, you mean? Yeah, a ridiculously I, I would, hard. I would hope so. Because at, at some point, there needs to be a shift, and I'm like, as much as it sucks for these smaller programs that are literally not going to be able but, to fund but, themselves but, but, but without no, these the point. No, I mean, it doesn't suck for the small programs because this is how they are funding. Their, the, they're funding their entire athletic department through some right, of this. Right, what I'm saying, is, what I'm saying gonna... if it goes away, oh, yeah, they, they're, they're done. They're done. They're, 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 but, there will be a subdivision in Division One basketball but is what the, there will be. For the fans. It's a much better slate of games for Absolutely. if you're like a UK fan. Absolutely, so I really don't know where to come out on that. I, there just doesn't seem to be a happy medium. I guess it, it's you're scheduling four or five hard games, um, some even a little harder than others in some circumstances, and then just the rest, just from a fan perspective, absolute shit game. Well, and then there's Georgetown. Can we talk about those clowns for a second? <laughs> I didn't see what they did. Oh what? my! Now, pull up Georgetown schedule now. Is this is it that bad? It's Dude, worse. You won't believe how bad it is if you haven't seen it yet. It's worse. Patrick Ewing is in so far over his head. It's unbelievable right now. Well, and and here's the thing that's that's if you're Kentucky, you've got to be frustrated. Kentucky fans, you've got to be frustrated. They're playing these big games at neutral sites. Yeah, in fact. Uh, and so the home slate is literally yeah, K- nothing. Yeah, Kansas is in Chicago. Um, UCLA. Louisville's in, Louisville, yeah, is in New Orleans. Yep, and Virginia Tech, even though it's not a big game, that's in Rupp, but it's at least an ACC. You get Virginia Tech and Louisville at Rupp. Yeah. But other than that, other than that you that's get. It. That's it. Yeah, that's you get it. Utah Valley, Vermont, East Fort Tennessee Wayne. State, Troy, Fort Wayne, yeah. Illinois, Chicago. Those season tickets ain't cheap. No, and that's the other part. I mean, you're right. That's the other part to it. The season tickets aren't cheap. All right, here we go. Let me. I'm calling it up. Am I going to be shocked in a good way or bad way? Just look. Just at shocked. It. Just look. Just, at okay. It. Hang on. It's taking a minute to load because it's probably it's probably angry at itself. All right. I'll just read the whole slate off if I can. Jacksonville, Mount St. Mary's. Who is UMES? Maryland Eastern Shore. Yeah, Maryland, Maryland Eastern, Eastern Shore. Shore. Richmond, Maine, Coppin State, Howard, North Carolina A and T. Then they do play Syracuse in there. North Texas, Alabama, A&M, and then they hop into conference play. So you lose one, one non-conference game. Good luck. And travel a total of about 100 miles the entire yeah. night. Um, if that, because, in fact, the, they play Richmond at Richmond. Everything else is at home, including Syracuse. 
Everything. Unless no other neutral lost. site games. Unless, and I, there's no, like, Cayman Island trip, no nothing for them. So that's, that's, that's embarrassing. His kids are going to go into the first week of the Big E season and think they're playing against the Cavs and the Warriors every single night. Yes. And they get Butler... Butler at home and at Marquette right off the bat. Although then they get at the pole, so it's, it, at least it's a way to ease in to some degree. That'll be beautiful. Wow, that is brutal, fellas. Brutal. I right, look at NKU's uh, schedule, Rick, and um, they I like it. I, I, I do schedule. too. I do too. I, I, I do too. And, and you, I'm not going to read down the whole thing. But um, you want to know what game I already have circled? I'm going to guess. Are you going to drive to Memphis? <laughs> That's the one. Are you driving to Memphis? I don't. I will not be driving because I'll be working that day. But uh, November 25th. Against Memphis, it's winnable. It's That's very, it's very winnable, winnable coming into this year. Awful. Uh huh. It, it is very winnable. Um, they do play Texas A and M at Texas A and M as well. And then, other than that, it's about their level for non-conference. Couple of OVCs with Moorhead and Eastern. Couple of former, well, at least they were at the time. A Sun team, East Tennessee State was in the A Sun at one time. Um, and they've got them twice, right? It's yeah. weird. They got them on they November did that last year home, too, didn't they? With an, uh, and they've a, got a them down game. in Johnson City on on, on December sixth. That's that's odd to me, but they do have them twice for whatever reason. And they're playing in, and I don't know who all they're playing in the Islands of the. Bahama Showcase. I don't know who was all in the Islands of the Bahama Showcase. It's a trip to Nassau. That's all I know. Yeah, if it's still around. You're going to get I mean, on honestly. a team flight? Too soon. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it may not be too soon for that to get fixed. I mean, you never know. Um, but no, I, 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 you've, you've scheduled a couple of bye games, which is good, but one of the bye games is a is a winnable bye game. So, um, good for them. And I think it's fun to get Moorhead State and Eastern Kentucky yeah. at NKU. Yep. Some Agreed. teams that people are familiar with around here. Agreed. Be a good, good slate. No doubt about it. All right, let's talk a, a little uh, off-season recruiting for both because uh, both UC and Xavier have gotten a commitment. Um, let's talk about UC's first. It's a four-star guard. Tell us a little bit about him. Logan Johnson, you may be familiar with his brother, Tyler Johnson, plays for the Miami Heat, just signed a four-year, $50 million contract. With UC? No, with the Miami Heat. Oh, no, I know, but you, your, your modifier was a little off, but go ahead. <laughs> See, you got to always specify the he the second time around. Just give me a little grammar lesson. Go ahead. Whatever. Good God, you're obnoxious. 6'2", <laughs> um, point guard, um, very, very athletic, uh, physical kid, tough, plays downhill, pure plays point well guard, off the ball Pure screen. point guard, lead, lead guard, more um, scoring, scoring point guard. He's got some, some development to do to be a pure, pure point guard. Um, but I think he'll get there. So he's he's more of a distributor, pass first uh, mindset most of the time. But he, he does have that ability to come off pick and roll, play downhill, um, get you some points. So he's. But honestly, who doesn't want that in a point guard right. in today's game? Right. I mean, there's not. That's how point guards play. You play in ball screen so much that you better be able to create and make exactly. Plays. Yeah. And so I mean. Um, I, I think he's going to fit in what they're moving to in terms of point guard, getting away from the bigger physical combo guard, uh, going with a more athletic, faster uh, lead guard. Could, could he and Kane Broom play together eventually? Well, I mean, they'll only play one year. I know, but could they play together? Um, I don't know if he would be ready for that right away. Good chance um, to groom him. Well, good chance. That's kind of what a, the thought process was. You're going to have two seniors at yeah. the point in front of him yeah. for that one year. Yeah. So I doubt he's going to get – He'll play some He's because, definitely not getting past Kane, and then you would think Justin Jennifer would be able right. to get most of the backup minutes there. He came in with he, – he was recruited with the understanding of one year as an apprentice. Right. And, and then, then, then three years, it's 
it's your job, and he was good with that. So, But for those who weren't paying a lot of attention to UC's recruiting, that's why this was a big get because they needed a point guard for the future. That's, that's what they were looking for. all they for. were recruiting. Yeah. I mean, they weren't really looking at anything else. They went out in April and July and said, we are going to get our eyes on every point guard in this class and narrow it down to who we feel like we can get. Um, it came down to um, Logan Johnson and Nate Hinton. And they got Logan Johnson. He was jumped in, and then Nate Hinton committed to Houston uh, shortly thereafter. So they identified who they wanted, and it, I mean, it's impressive for Darren Savino to go all the way out to California uh, and get a kid off of the West Coast. Right. Um, you know, UCLA hadn't offered, but they were very interested, and then St. Mary's was also uh, the other school that was heavily involved. So uh, good for them to go out and know what they were looking for. They had three scholarships, but they're going to have two players at every they, position mean, where, where, returning guess, for what, where, where was their inroad with this kid or maybe even his AAU group? They or whatever. just knew some people out there that, that had connections to him, um, and they worked those from uh, from the early yeah. early in the process and were able to get in and sold the family on, you know, that I don't know how many people know his brother's story, but his brother was a walk-on at Fresno State. And went from walk on to you know the NBA making fifty well, million yeah, NBA four, fifty million up. But he he went through the D League, kind of went a Sean Kilpatrick path, ten um, day contract, finally got a deal, kept developing, kept developing yeah. working. He's a kid that Logan's a kid that understands because of what he's experienced with his brother. It's not going to be easy. Nothing's going to be handed to you. You've got to work to go get it. So mentally, I think he's a kid that really fits into to the way Mick Crona does things. Other news from UC, and it's actually since the last time we, we, we did a podcast last month, Quadri Moore opted to transfer. Aided, it's, it's not a huge loss, but aided it surprise anybody? A little bit, but not really. I think the writing was on the wall once Mamadou Diara and Elil Nosimi got into town. There wasn't going to be... And I mean, nice, did, I mean, I asked, did he read like the writing on the wall kinda, when, he, yeah. when he played with them, maybe in the summer? Yeah, yeah. And, and Nizier Brooks is probably the most improved guy on the team. That's you know the backup minutes to Kyle Washington, and now you've got a freshman coming in right. that's going to be pushing for that. So it was just kind of a writing on the wall thing, and you know. Never really worked out with Quad. Yeah. Wish uh, him well. Hey, but if he drops down to like a low major or like a, a oh, small could, mid, yeah. he could do some damage in one of those conferences. Yeah. As a I mean, he's 680. Did, he, did he pick where he transferred yet? No. That's what I thought. No. What, what are candidates? Do you know? No. Okay. Just curious. There have been a couple, but nothing's worked out yet. Well, that's a shame. It's got to work out at some point, you would Quick. think. Yeah, good Quick, point. you would think. Good point. All right, Xavier also got a, a commitment uh, since we last did it. It's a local guy, Jake Walter from uh, Covenant Catholic. His dad, Joe, if you may remember, played for the uh, Bengals back in the in the 80s and started on the Super Bowl team. Uh, tell people what you know about Jake Walter. And, and he's obviously a, a project, but he is a big man. Yeah, I, I won't. We talked about him on the last podcast and why Xavier offered him in the first place, so I won't bore you with you know the whole details of what he's done in high school and everything. But... Was it someone? It surprised me a little bit that they offered him. Me too. At the same time, if you approach it from the vantage point of one, they have a ton of scholarships, five or six scholarships, depending on how they want to go and to offer in this class. They certainly had the room. It wasn't going to hurt them in that regard. And two, I think what they look at and say, we feel his feet are close enough to Sean O'Mara's, meaning he can move laterally as well as Sean O'Mara on the defensive end. Yeah, I think, I think if people three look, inches, three four inches right. taller. I think if people look at his raw, don't don't look at his statistical numbers because it's it's just it, it's not fair because he plays in a system that it's just not 
and it's a high school system. It's not designed for him. But he is not some big stiff. I think that's the that's the, the major overriding point. You can look and you go, that guy must be a clod if he's only averaging those numbers. He's really not. And and, and honestly, it's one of those. It's a project. You project what might he be in three, four years even. Right. And, and I think the Sean O'Mara comparison makes so much sense because Sean O'Mara is weird in the sense that he's ter- he's terrible in terms of moving laterally, but he's a decent vertical athlete, meaning he can get off the ground and dunk it on you around the rim. Right. And that's Jake Walter at seven foot. Even when he was close to 300 pounds, he could get up and dunk pretty well for a guy that size. The more athletic he gets, the better he gets at that stuff. So. Is there a chance it works out? Yeah, but there's a long way to go no before doubt. he gets to be a contributor no at that level. This is a terrible class for Bigman. Yeah, it's yeah terrible. you've talked if, about that. If yeah. you're going to take a chance. If, I mean, he's not a bad kid to take a chance on. I, I, I go back to, I always go back to this, Skinny. You know what the number one predictor of professional potential is in recruits? Uh, skill? No. <laughs> no, honestly, what? Parents that played professionals. Well, that's probably not bad. It's like like forty eight percent of kids that come in who had parents that played in the majors in professional sports, they have like a forty six percent chance of making it. And again, his dad was a football guy, so there you go. I have major doubts about how real that stat is, but I love it. Whatever, if that's even close that's, to being no, real, I, I, there was fact. a study that was done last year. I, we, I believe you. It, it, was, it was in the forty percentile range hey, that if their parents played is, professional sports, I, I, yeah, I, I can't speak to the number, but it is funny that the more you see when you see a college kid, you see a last name, you can pretty much quickly associate and go, oh, I wonder if that's really. Yep, it sure. And it, it is. And it may not be. Dead Dad, but it may be uncle. uncle right. Yeah, there's some bloodline there. Dad may may not have been a pro, but um, dad might have been a, a college basketball player right. for an NFL guy. I mean, I I don't know about the stat number. I mean, he may be pulling it right out of his ass. No, there was a, but, legit. But, there was a study. I I but because it blew my mind yeah. that it was that high. That it was up in the 40 percentile. You should have never walked it back. You should have stayed hard 48%. Like 48.3. 46.7. He rounded up. Because it was such a good stat. It is. That was like, great. No, that was, I, I think 48% is the right number. But it was yeah. up in that. It, it was up near 50%. It was in the 40s, up near 50%. That if your parents played professionally. There you go. Your chances were were that high. And, and for people that weren't, it was much smaller. In the teens, I yeah. think. All right, so speaking of that, there's another local guy that Xavier has offered that Kentucky, for a lot of people, surprisingly offered Jackson Hayes from Moeller. Um, averaged barely two points and a couple, three rebounds a game last year. Was about their seventh or eighth guy off the bench. It was a good team, obviously. It got to the state championship game in Division One in Ohio. Um He's got a lot of upside. He's grown. He's long. But I think the Kentucky one surprised everybody. I'll start with first the Xavier offer because I know the Xavier offer first and foremost surprised you, right? Yeah, I mean, especially at the time. It was, I think, early July when they finally offered him. But they had been right. recruiting, started making him a priority a little bit before that um, and liked him after the spring. He's about 6'10 now, right? Is that what he's yeah, supposed to be? 6'10 with a 7'1 wingspan. Yeah, he's got a huge he wingspan. Gets, he gets off the floor really quickly. No, he's very, That's yeah. his best attribute. But for the predictor, just not, not, not to cut but the predictor, his dad is a Bengals assistant coach, Jonathan, who played in the NFL. And his so mom was a big-time athlete. His mom was a big-time athlete, yes. So, uh, And then Mick Cronin has the evaluation that I think the rest of us have, which is... Why is everyone offering? <laughs> like I don't. Mick never got interested in him, and it's partly because they probably really didn't need. They don't any. need that type of guy. Yeah. They don't need a. If they get a big, it's going to be somebody offensively skilled because Cincinnati has to replace Gary Clark and Kyle Washington. Right. Yeah, they've like, got a they need a big that can, that can run score. up and down the floor. And they've block got a shot yeah, and they've yeah. got Trey Scott and and Mamadou Diarra and Ellie and and Nizier Brooks. They don't need a Jackson Hayes type. Right. Yeah. Okay. So and this is this. Trust me, this is not a knock on Xavier. So Xavier fans will take it as such. Xavier offered him maybe one thing, a local guy, you know, all the things. There, again, there's some there's some p- 
positives. The Kentucky offer, I think, is the one that makes everybody go, wait, whoa, whoa, what? The team that offers basically NBA-level guys? The only answer I had for this is is Cal is looking at having at least a four-year kid or two in the program, and he probably projects most he's a four-year just in case. He's taking kids like Jackson Hayes. Yep. I mean, the sell, a couple of them. the sell from the UK perspective, if you're trying to convince Jackson and his family how it'll work, if you're trying well, to. I'm trying to convince, convince Kentucky fans why the offer. Or, or if you're <laughs> trying to convince Kentucky fans, it's that he's Willie Cauley Stein. Now, do I think that's the case? Probably not. But at the same time, it's a kid who played football, thought his career was going to be in football, realized he's getting too tall for football. Willie Cauley Stein. But, but and Jackson Hayes. Jackson Hayes, yeah, same, right. same way. He, just, he played right. football till this year. So in both cases, they're raw coming in. So I get where you can kind of make that comparison. I don't know that Jackson Hayes is Willie Cauley Stein. Willie Cauley Stein is a freak. Um, and he was doing really good things already by that point. Jackson Hayes is still a kid, even though he's he's shown a lot of progress and he showed a lot of flashes this summer, he was still averaging six points a game in AAU this summer. And so it's not like he was putting up 20 and 10 right. every night. Right. Um, I think there's two ways to look at it from Coach Cal's perspective. Either, one, you always have three or four scholarships you're not using at the end of your roster. That, so and that's, you can, what, that's, what I, that's what I, yeah. So it, you always can right. take a developmental guy and hope he's ready as a junior or senior to be a leader with a bunch of other freshmen. Um, or... Chris Mack and, and Coach Cal have something, some type of beef, and Coach Cal is just trying to screw with Mack at this point. Maybe. <laughs> because that offer came in like right before it seemed like Jackson was looking to wrap things up, and it had seemed like it was trending more towards Xavier than it was towards Texas. All right, for, for, I'll go back to the Xavier part of this. You're, you're taking a, a big swing with Jake Walter for this class, a potential big swing with Jackson Hayes for the because he's not able he'll be the class of 2018 for the class. Or actually, they're both in the same class. Oh, yeah, no, they're the same class. Crap, they're both in the same class. My bad. So you're taking two swings in the same class? Well, hell, at this point, Jackson's the, one of their top priorities. I don't even think they he's a ranked 88th in the in the country. Like I don't even think they view that as a huge swing and a huge yeah. project. I think they view him as a contributor at this point for Xavier. Um, Kentucky probably sees him a little bit differently. But, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, no, I mean, Jake Walter and Jackson Hayes, I think, at Xavier's mind, are, are different type prospects at they this are. stage. Um, but, yeah, no, I, look, if, if you have both of those guys, you probably want to make sure you have someone ready to contribute in the low post right, right away. away because Absolutely. Because the only guy left on that roster is Tyreek Jones for one year, so – yeah, there we go. All right, uh, let's get a couple other things going because we are kind of wrapping up the offseason. Practice, as you mentioned, Chad, starts in a, in a couple of weeks. Let's look at, uh, I guess, I guess three, things that, three things here in the offseason that, that, that have interested you and in kind of heading into to practice some, some things that you're looking at. Um, I mean, obviously the biggest one's going to be Kane Broom. I mean, I've seen him a lot, so I know what to expect. But you never really know until the light goes on. Correct. You know, it's a kid that averaged 23 and a half points a game. He was one of the leading scorers in the nation as a sophomore in Sacred Heart. But he was the entire focus of their offense. If you go back and watch Synergy sure. on him, they had nothing around him. Now he's coming to a team where you've got Jacob Evans and Jared Cumberland and Gary Clark and Kyle Washington. How does he adjust how does he assimilate himself into that situation where he's got to get his and get others and, and get others you know i think it's going to be fine i think having a year really helped him with that but until you see it on the floor you don't know and he's got two and a half three weeks to get it figured out and then xavier florida Mississippi State, right. UCLA. So I think that's the main thing for Cincinnati. I think without question it has to be because everyone looks at this team and knows they're good. Like they are a top 15 team without a doubt. I saw one of the rankings had them. I think Athlon eighth. had them eighth yeah. in the top 10. So 
he's such a big piece, though, and yeah. everyone's expecting him to be and pretty And you're good. replacing a three-year starter. Right, and I really liked him watching him on film. The way you've talked about him has taken that to another level of anticipation. Whether you're a, a fan of any local teams, if you watch UC basketball at all, whether you're a fan or not, you have to be totally intrigued with the Kane Broom storyline. Yeah, because season. it's a completely different style of play. It is speed. It is breakneck speed. If he does struggle, can Justin Jennifer play enough minutes to make up for that? And I'm giving you Maybe, a big if. Probably not. Who takes the ball, Jacob? If yeah. things go real south yeah. of point, I think it would be. Jacob. I think I think it would too. I, I guess it goes. It, the only way it goes south of point, point for him would be if he just gets overly selfish, right? Well, I, I think the biggest thing is going to be turnovers for him, especially with Mick. Yeah, because Mick does not right. Well, now, and he's had a point guard that didn't turn the ball over at ever. all for two and, and a half. I, and years. I think I could be right. Some, for some reason, 4.8 sticks out in my mind. Is that what he averaged turnover-wise? At yeah, he averaged Hearts? a lot. It yeah, was a lot. it was a lot. But, again, he had the ball in his hands a lot and was being asked to do a lot. And, right. And so, but well, and he forced to, I mean, he was sure, playing sure. a bit out of control. Now, the way that he plays, there's going to be a couple. Yeah. Because he, he's end-to-end. He's jet-fast. He's There's going to be situations where you're going to turn it over a time or two, but you're also going to create. Ten more possessions a game. Well, as I say, seven assists to three turnovers. Would you take that? Seven assists oh, to two turnovers. Would you take absolutely. that? Absolutely. Sure right. I mean, sure. Five assists to three turnovers yeah, right. is probably going to be more yeah. in that range. Um, that I mean, that's it, it's going to be a completely different style of play, and and will Mick roll with it if things are a little bit bumpy at first? That's that's more my question. Is like you said, you can easily give up the extra turnover too when you know he's going to get extra possessions and extra plays for you, but you have to commit to always playing that tempo and not saying things are tight now, we're going to grind out possessions and value each possession because that's probably not who he is. I don't think you can turn him off in terms I, of getting the ball and go. From what I've heard and what little I've seen on tape, I agree. So I, I, that's the biggest one. I, I think it's going to be answered favorably, but you don't know until Kane Broom is out on the floor and 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 doing it. I think number two for Cincinnati would be defense. Um, just in terms of you lost two guys that's that played so much at the top of that defense in Troy and Kevin, um, Jaron Cumberland. Well, the other the other part too is Kane Broom are going to be sliding into those roles, and you're probably playing a little bit more transition defense too because of yeah, the way you are you're now. playing. Yeah, you are yeah. now because if the tempo is up. You know that you're going to be playing a little bit more transition D. I think, you know, it's it, it's interesting because we all thought Jaron Cumberland was going to be a poor defender. Mm. If you look on Synergy, he's graded as a like a above average plus defender. Yeah, but that's a also lot of hiding is, him. And well, but a, a lot of it with him is anticipation. His basketball IQ is off the charts. I agree. He he really it surprised me at that. I knew it was a a, a positive for him. But he really took me by surprise the way that he understood positioning and where to well, be. Because I, I think the fear was, and I had the fear when I watched him play in high school, is how is he going to guard a quick yeah. Division One college guard? How is he going to be able to do that? Um, and I think it was a legitimate question coming in. But Well, and credit Mike Rayfield because he does not move like the tank that he did in high school. Correct. He's, and he's better, already a lot correct. thinner now, too. And he's better laterally than we ever expected he yeah. was going to be as a freshman. So yeah. they deserve some credit. The other thing, Synergy, it, it's the defensive points per possession is the worst part of it because yeah. they can't do help defense very well. So if you're getting your doors blown off and they're scoring on someone else on the back end, a lot of times that's being assessed to the guy on the back end. So, But I didn't see a lot of that with him. No, I didn't either. I'm not, I'm not saying that is. I'm just saying no, that's I, like I one of the hardest things I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm just saying it's not something that we saw a whole lot where he was getting beat 
you know, and teams were going at him. Mm-hmm. Um, you would have thought if, if he was the weakness that we thought he was going to be on defense. Well, he also wouldn't have gotten the minutes he got either if that right. was the case. Teams would have gone right at him, right. and they weren't able to right. go right at him. Um, so I think that's going to be interesting to see defensively how Kane is at the top of that and, and to see where Jaron fits. It, obviously, you've still got Gary Clark that's going to be the stalwart, you know, the guy that, that anchors your defense. D- it, it, does Kyle Washington improve? Because right. that was a weakness for him. And if he doesn't Because he's improve, the one that couldn't play without Fallon. And if he doesn't improve, how many minutes does Nazir Brooks take? I, I think those are all interesting things on the defensive side for, for Mick Crow. Well, but you're also, if you're going to play more up-tempo, I mean, you're going you're gonna to have to get more minutes out of some of those guys anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So The, the thing for me with Kyle is... I, He's not a great defender. He's but he, bad. But no, I no, he's bad because of the way he plays though. Yeah. He has the physical tools yeah. to be an okay defender, even a decent shot blocker. He's just not interested in it. Well, exactly, but here's the <laughs> difference between last year and this year. This year there's a guy behind him that can actually take his minutes whereas yeah. last year he knew Mick would take him out and yell him, but he's going back in. Right. You know, so that's Nas a, is ready. Right. There that's a different dynamic there when all of a sudden you have a guy pushing you. And, and I think the third biggest question for Cincinnati it segues is segues right into it. Yeah. Bench scoring. Right. Uh, um, you know, you, you look the first five, clearly, and I, I would think you would agree with this, clearly, offensively, the best starting five Mick Cronin has had since he's been here. You have five, I would think, yeah. You have, not that he hasn't had this, but you have five legitimate double-figure 15-point guys who can, three that can get you 15 to 18 every night. Yeah. I mean, you've got legitimate scoring from every single spot They are going to be a matchup nightmare yeah. because there's nowhere that you're going to be able to play off of them when their first five is on the floor. Justin Jennifer, I think, is going to be a capable and competent backup point guard, but we've never seen much scoring from him. He's turned into a a good assist-to-turnover guy. Surprisingly, he does not turn the ball over anymore. You want him to be D. Davis. Yeah. Come in, be steady, give Kane some rest, get a couple assists. Sling a shot from behind your head from 25 feet. Yeah, well, his (laughs) shot ain't much prettier. No, I know. (laughs) It's gotten a lot better. It's not a knuckle. It's not not a corkscrew like it was when he got here. Um, You know, and then you've got two freshman wings and Keith Williams and Trevor Moore that I think both have the potential to be good and are going to be good long term. But how ready are they as freshmen? And then Trey Scott and Isaiah Brooks, uh, who are defensive guys, are, are... Guys that you bring in and, and, and get a bump on defense, those two are going to have to show that they've got some ability to score in their sophomore season. Because, again, if you're, if you're playing this style, it would be hard to believe many guys are going more than 30. Right, yeah, I, Jacob Evans is going to play. Maybe. He okay, doesn't maybe. get tired. That's a good point. All right, maybe maybe that, one guy. That kid is. But, but the point being, you're not you're not having a bunch of guys no. go 30 well, and, minutes a game. Even at a slower pace, Gary Clark, we have right. long argued that he's the same guy at 28 minutes that he is at 35. Yeah, and and Kyle's a guy that. Well, Kyle just gets in foul trouble yeah. too. So I mean, it, well, it, and it, you're it talking is, more possessions right, and more right, up and down. Right. That that doesn't bode well for Kyle right. in terms of minutes. So. Um, that bench scoring is going to have sure. to step up. Those that second group is talented, and they're they've got the ability to give Cincinnati a lift. But we haven't seen any of them prove themselves to be. I can go out and get eight points tonight or ten points tonight on a on a regular basis when they're needed, and that's going to be that that last piece to the puzzle. I think that 
when you get into January and February, those guys are going to have to be ready to do that. Yeah, before I get to say that, I mean, we're way early in this process. We're talking about this in September. But eventually, does that rotation when conference comes around get shorter, or would you see him trying to continue to go to, to maybe? It depends on tempo. If they continue to play up tempo, I think you're going to see eight, nine, ten guys right. Right. Yeah, it'd be out of necessity. Um, if it slows down, then, yeah, maybe the rotation cuts to, to seven or eight. But, but Nick's never been too, like, he's always been willing to play a lot of guys. Yeah. So, it, but it has gotten shorter towards the end of the year. Yeah, for it, sure. Yeah. But, like, he would still throw Quadri more out there in meaningful games last yeah. year in AAC play. And it was like, uh, I don't. There's some other coaches that wouldn't have. Right. No, you're right. So he, he can give some guys a chance yeah. later in the season. Still. It's it's going to be up to those guys, though, to prove that, sure. that they're, the second unit is ready to, to be a complement to the first offensively. All right. For Xavier, three things. I think I would start with the bigs. Um, yeah. Just because last year we saw that played out early in some of those big non-conference games, you think at Baylor, the Colorado game. They really just didn't get much. They got a lot of missed layups and, and bunnies and free throws from their big man rotation. And early in the year, it was like Rashid Gaston's the starter. Then he falls out of favor, and it's mostly Tyreek Jones. And all of a sudden, in the Big East and NCAA tournament, Sean O'Mara looks like a stud. Looked like a stud. So, But Sean O'Mara looked good for like the in year the, before in the, the NCAA tournament. Right. He played really well against like Arizona. So what, what Sean O'Mara is going to be for the full year, first of all, where is Tyreek Jones at a year later? Because Love I him. think he had a really impressive freshman season, and he had no idea what he was doing his freshman season. So him knowing what, where he's supposed to be and how the program works, he could take a major jump forward, and that's kind of what I expect. I kind of expect him to be the de facto go-to center when, when they're in crunch time, but he's a guy that gets in foul trouble a lot. So it's, it's not like he's playing more than 20 minutes a game probably. And then you have Karim Cantor, who's this huge wild card, and everything we've heard so far in workouts is he's skilled, he's shooting the ball well, he's he's what they expected and more on offense. For those that don't know, you've seen him. I mean, we've seen him. We, yes. we all three saw him at, at Wisconsin. We, and we all three were in that second half going, wow, that's your dude dude's putting it on. Yeah, he, and he was. Yeah, and it's like, how much does the whole making that jump up from conference when it's not the MEAC, it's the Horizon, so you're a leg or two better than some of like. Correct, and it was a, we saw him probably in his best offensive half by far, his best offensive game. Um, and it's one of those in, in that conference, you can maybe do that two out of three times. How often can you do that in a league like the Big East? Well, sure. But, I mean, you think about Malcolm Bernard and Travis Taylor right, and, a, and, and Rashid Gass and these guys who are making these huge jumps. He's maybe a notch or two higher right. where those guys started, so maybe that helps. But then he's also got this weird factor where his brother's Enos Cantor. And so he's been playing pickup games with Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul and, all, like, NBA superstars. So does that mean anything? Does yeah, it he's also the last guy picked, so he's got, it's got to hurt his feelings. <laughs> That's a good point. But, like, does it help your confidence all that you're playing pickup games with those guys? Or does it just not translate at all because it's pickup ball? And because That's, he never touches it, probably. <laughs> yeah. Another good point. He, he, he sets great screen. He does. <laughs> hey, good screen, big guy. Hey, honestly, with the way he plays, Xavier's probably going to ask him to set a whole lot more screens than he's used to. Good point. Very good true. point. Good uh, point. So I'm I a big Tyreek Jones guy. Uh, uh, Sean O'Meara is the, the most... It was puzzling. I, I just... It's one of the hardest things I've ever tried to get my brain around basketball-wise because he just... He'll be awful. He'll be the worst player on the team for like a month. And then all of a sudden he's like a ten and six guy, a twelve and eight guy. It, like, it's like, like they're going to him to win the game against Arizona. Right, right. set plays for him. Well, right, was, like, was that a light bulb going off for him, or, or was it just a, was that, it a, the problem? I know was that a flash? That I know, right? Was that just a flash? That's and, the big question. That's why yeah, right, it's the number one right, storyline going right. to practice. I want to see him the first because we saw it even at the beginning of last year's practice. He wasn't one of the best bigs right. in practice. Like he was getting beat by the other guys, and he didn't have the confidence. Tyreek Jones is Eric Hicks, by the way. 
So he's going to be playing indoor football somewhere? He's going to be uh, an all-Big East player by the time he's a senior, I all think. Right. There you go. I, that, have, that's coming, I, that's have, coming from Chad. Yeah. Have I been big on that kid yeah. since, from the beginning, the first time that we saw him? Yeah. Long arms, physical, aggressive. He's got. He has the same similar problems that Hicks had when he was younger. Right. Fouls a lot. You know, just a little bit out of control. Doesn't really know how to harness that that aggression that he plays with. But by the time Eric got it, Eric was dominant as a six four and a half center in the Big East. I think Tyreek. Bigger than Eric, probably. Yeah, he's six seven. Yeah, well, Eric was listed at six seven. He was right. never close to six seven. Tyreek's like a legit six seven. Yeah, but I mean, I, I just I see those qualities in him, and I think you're right. If he can harness it even a little bit more this year, he gives it gives them a completely different element in terms of athleticism, in terms of rebounding, in terms of what they're able to do. I think uh, both offensively and defensively with him on the floor over Sean O'Mara or even. Kareem Canner, because while Canner gives you offense, he can't guard. He all. can't guard a folding chair. Right. right. So uh, Tyreek is that key guy, I think, in that rotation. And, yeah. and the, you hit on it. I, I agree. And they're all three so different too. So it's like, how do you use them in different situations? I just think it's going to be interesting to watch that rotation all year. I think it's going to be a lot like last year, where you're playing three, playing the hot hand, right. whoever's playing best at that time, and all of them get minutes. But it's how, how does it work out? You know, that's the yep. interesting part. So the second biggest storyline, I think, is the freshman. Because like you see, I think you have so many returning guys that you know Xavier's going to be pretty good. Uh, they're a top 25 team without question, I would say. But when you start looking at what, makes the, what takes this team from a top 25 team to a top 15 or top right. 10 team or a team that can make another Elite Eight run or possibly beyond that, it's what do you get out of a guy like Paul Scruggs and Najee Marshall? Because they're expecting pretty big things out of those guys. They're expecting a lot of minutes out of those guys. If, if Najee Marshall is is the player we think he can be and he is right away, or if Paul Scruggs, just because he's so physically impressive and he's so ready um, with the way he plays, he's so tough and plays so hard every single possession, if they can give them like good freshman minutes, maybe not Trayvon-level production, but they're that confident and that able to stay on the court, all of a sudden, this team could be a lot better than even we're thinking right now because you go from having four or five guys that are ready to go to six, seven, and you're pretty good no matter who's on the court at all times. You feel really confident if you're Chris Mack. So I think the freshman is going to be a really interesting storyline as well. Really, it's just those two, though, you, don't yeah, you think? I, I, don't, I think it would be really hard for Elias Harden or Jared Ritter to get minutes in this team, just mainly because of what they have in front of them, not really right. because of what they're going to be because I don't know that yet, but there's so much experience on the wings in front of them, plus two really good freshmen already in would, front of them that seem to be a step ahead of them. Would they redshirt? It's possible. I, I, like, I don't think Elias Harden Mac, that's will. That's not something Mac has really used He doesn't much. do a lot of it, no. I mean, like, and you think about the guys who have, like McKinday London then transferred. Yeah. You know, so I. He's got a different philosophy. Like, Mick, Mick if you're going to redshirt, he thinks you've got the potential in that fifth year to be, like, a star. Yeah. Mac, it's more like you're not ready. That's you're, on you. You're so far behind yeah. that we are going to give well, you a year to try to catch up. Well, but a lot of times Mac is also like, if the guy's not good enough, we don't want him clogging up an extra scholarship for yeah. an extra year, so he just bypasses the red shirt. He just right. lets him go. And he also Now, Elias Harden, I think, is good enough. Yeah, and Mac's also never at 13 scholarships. Right. That's the other thing. So it's not like they're worried about, yeah. oh, we've got too many guys on our bench or anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just checking this. I, I, those I two, I, I think it's going to be those two. I, don't, I wouldn't expect anything from Ritter or, or Harden this year. Although I think Harden's going to be very good long-term. I, I like him a lot. 
Yep. And then finally, I, I think Kaiser Gates is, is an interesting storyline. He's not the biggest because here's the thing. At the end of the day, Kaiser Gates is serviceable enough in what he does defensively and rebounding that if he is just what he was last year, right. you're fine running him out there for 20, 25 minutes a game, and the rest of your offense is good enough that you really don't need him to take a big step forward for you to still be a really solid team. But – a lot of people were high on Kaiser Gates, especially his offensive potential as a guy who can stretch the floor. I mean, what, what if he starts making shots, though? I mean, it, it changes the dynamic. Because they need someone they, who right, can stretch correct. the floor with these guards that they have that right. are athletic and get in the lane. If you give Quentin Good and Paul Scruggs a four-man plus those wings with Trayvon and J.P. Makira who can stretch the floor for them and open things up, it's really difficult to keep those two from making plays and getting downhill and using ball screens. So if Kaiser does do that... It really could change their offense, but it's hard to expect that at this point. He just hasn't shown that progress from year to year yet. Does he finally take that jump now that he's an upperclassman? We'll see. All right, I like I like both. Um, all right, any any final takes? I do want to get into one more thing here because you and I talked about it. It, it finally the, the Mitchell Robinson saga. Do you want to touch on the Mitchell Robinson saga? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Um, so so now he he's not going back to Western. Obviously, he's bypassing college. Going to start training for the, for the draft. Um, what, what do you make of actually him and Western for starters? I know where you're going to go, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll save you for, for last on this. But I, it, it was just a whole weird scenario to I, me. I don't think we ever really talked about the whole situation. So basically, a five-star, five-star recruit. NBA lottery pick more than likely after a one-and-done season. is what everyone thought yes. coming into all this. Now, really good. Now it's really interesting. But um, he chose to go to Western Kentucky. His godfather was an assistant coach there. His godfather gets fired as an assistant coach there. Was he, he, well, there was never, he left. I'm sorry. His godfather left as an assistant coach there after some behind-the-scenes controversy, apparently. And then he continued to stay committed, although everyone knew he wasn't sold on going to Western Kentucky still. He shows up for summer school at Western Kentucky for two weeks, then leaves, then says he's transferring to LSU or New Orleans or Kansas, then realizes that's not going to happen because he's not going to get a waiver and will have to sit out his only year his that only he's going to be on right, a college campus. Right. So then he's going back to Western Kentucky – and then after like three more days on Western Kentucky's campus, he's now just taking a year off and going to the NBA draft. And that's it in a nutshell. And but, but, all but, I can say about that is if these types of guys do – if they start – if they commit to a school like this in the first place, you immediately just go, what's going on with that guy? Absolutely. What's wrong with him? And then you get into any of this controversy, you know they don't – like I have no expectation for ever playing the NBA now. He's good enough to. Yeah. I'm not, but like, if you start doing crazy sh- like this, it usually does not work out. That's fair. That's fair. Um, he got paid twice. <laughs> you, you have no documentation. Can you on at that? least throw an allegedly? Allegedly, allegedly, thank allegedly, you, yes. allegedly. I mean, Rick Stansbury. Rick Stansbury's not shady. Um. Yeah. Allegedly. 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 That was good. That allegedly, was good. not shady. That was good. And then he got money from an agent. And now he's going to work out wherever he's going to work out and get ready for the draft. Let's just go back. Let, if a high school kid wants to go, let him go. Just let it. Let, let's just change the thing. Let's the just, NBA let doesn't it. trust itself. I know it doesn't. It's exactly what it is. The NBA doesn't because trust Because they itself. don't trust themselves to save themselves from kids like Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, you're right. Because he would have been. What, what, He'd what, have been a top eight pick. Watching that kid play. He is a freak. I don't know if you got to see him. He's exactly what you want as an NBA 5 now because he can go guard the perimeter and he's mobile and he can guard ball screens. But he's athletic and big and strong and dunks and rebounds, block shots. 
He's exactly what the NBA is looking for at the five. He's one of those you watch and you just go in potential. Jeez. And it's just it, it, probably like Demarcus Cousins, but more athletic. But I mean, I'm not, not, as, he's that, not as not as bulky and not yeah. as skilled offensively. But in terms of it, like and on the same crazy train. Well, it might be different type of crazy train, different possibly type of crazy train. Yes, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know how crazy is getting paid allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Got to throw that out there. I mean, here's the thing. It's not like the market is bad at Blue Bloods. They pay well, too. I don't – that – well, yeah. Let's just say this. There is I'll a, be very careful. There is a, there is a huge red flag is all you can say when, 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 when this goes down. It, it just a huge. But it's just, it's not right, wrong, or indifferent. But we've known this red flag was happening since they hired the guy. Correct. But, but I, well, I hired the guy and then got guys. Of course they were going to get guys. That's why they hired him. That's why you hire that guy. I, I'm not disputing There's that. There's only one reason you hire that guy. There's a reason he keeps getting jobs. There's a reason there is a prominent national basketball writer that every time something happens says the smart money is always on Rick Stansberry. Can I say that that bothers me a little bit, though? Like, honestly, if you're Jeff Goodman, go find out why. Go, go write Absolutely. the story and tell us. Quit being, quit being sucking up to these coaches so much. And Gary Parrish, who's like best friends with Rick Stansberry, if find you, the, if really you find the money trail, about this, find the money trail. If not, then cool. Like, act like us and act like you don't know what's going on, whatever. But if you're going to keep calling him out on a national forum where we all can see it, then tell us the story, man. Go ahead and do some investigative work because if you know well enough to put it on Twitter, then my guess is you have plenty of evidence. I, and I don't think they do, though. That's, that's just it. Because I mean, I think, Goodman I think it's like all of us. It, it's a wink and a nod going, all right, it's Rick Stansberry, whatever, whatever past and baggage he has, going to a, no offense to Western Kentucky, a much smaller, less prestigious, even though they actually are one of the all-time winningest programs in they college ain't afraid to. They've got some boosters that ain't I know. afraid to, some Western Kentucky money no that doubt. ain't afraid to see what's going no on down there. But look, man, this is not us three talking about it on a podcast. This is Jeff Goodman blasting out to 250,000 followers or whatever he has on the ESPN platform, yeah. speaking for ESPN. If you're going to say it, my guess is you know damn well he's not coming after you because he knows he's doing it too. And you probably have evidence of yeah, it. So put it out there Agreed. then. I don't disagree with that part of it. All right. Any final take from you, Chad Brendel? I, I think we pretty much covered it. Well, there is one more story. I know. That's what I'm, I'm going. I'm, I'm turning to you. I asked him first. Go ahead. The transfer thing, which I understand is not like they're not actually discussing this. It's not actually up for debate right now. The NCAA just put it like as right. one little line in, in one of their reports that they were looking into it. And from everything we've heard, it doesn't sound like it would happen anytime soon without some legal action taking place first. But it's being discussed whether players should have to set out a year or if they're just allowed to transfer willy-nilly at least once. I'm in. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not in, but I don't like the restrictions that schools are allowed to put on kids either. That, that you can't transfer to this school, this school, this school, this school, this school. I don't like that. Not all of them I like do you, it. Like, you should get one. You should get one. One transfer? Yeah. One freebie? One, oh, okay. one freebie. Well, Rick, here's what people I don't think really... I don't think I'd go kicking and screaming. If you were to put a gun to my head and say, take a pick, I'd say I still like it the way it is. Here's what I don't think people pay much attention to when you look at the transfer market every year. A large, large, large majority of the transfer market transfers down. Yes. Yeah, right. right. Yes. Like, why, why are we punishing a kid for transferring down? That's fair. They're looking for a place to play. Yeah. They, like, they went somewhere that was, they were, the, 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 the coaching, that they didn't develop at the rate that they should, or they went somewhere. Here's the are there enough laterals, though, that, that that's what scares There's the market There's not a lot of laterals. There's, there's, that doesn't There's happen. barely any laterals. 
There really aren't. And there's there's what? There's one, two, three. Like at at the most, we get four or five impact transfers Kane at the high major up. level. Yeah. I mean, really. How many of there are there in a given year that make a difference in like the top twenty five? Let's look at even like the the guys that Xavier has gone to lower levels to get. Those have been rotation guys. That you're not getting. When is the guy from Florida Marist or, or Norfolk State? Norfolk State coming right. in and being a star at Xavier or Kansas or that doesn't happen. Like I don't have a problem. Like with with a Kane Broom who felt he was under recruited coming out of high school because he was so small, going to Sacred Heart, averaging twenty four points a game, and having a chance to move up the food chain. Good for him. He should be allowed to do that one time without sitting out a year. I, I, I firmly believe that, and I don't. And I and and I think that we we get so lost. Like when you go look at that transfer thing. Look at the transfer list. Mm-hmm. Look how many kids are going to D2 and D3 schools. Well, D2, they're eligible right away, though. That's why. Yeah, right. They're being forced to go down when maybe they could still play at the D1 level, but they didn't want to sit out a year. Or, even better than that, we want to tell the kids they're not allowed to transfer. they got to sit out a year. But we have no problem with coaches coming in and saying, you're not good enough to play here. you got to get out. out. Yeah. You don't, and now you got to sit a anymore. year because now you, you got, got the boot. Right. How insane is that? And here's the other thing about the whole, well, like, like, like Chad was saying, you come in, you're Kane Broom, you feel you're under-recruited, you ball out for a year or two, and then you get to move up. Th- isn't that what every coach tries to do? Isn't that life? They come in at a low D1, they ball out, get their team in the NCAA tournament, they, play, they win one game or they play well for one game, or you're FGCU and you get to the Sweet 16, you're Andy Enfield, and then you bolt at the first chance you get to move on up. You do it, and there's no restriction on the coach. And I'll tell you right now, uh, what, losing I, one player is not nearly as damaging to a low or mid-major as losing a coach who's been establishing a recruiting, uh, a staff that's been recruiting well and building up your, your identity and your brand on the market. Most that, of the time, those teams are three, four, five years in. Th- that's so, so much more damaging to lose a So if they, if they ever put this up, to, what, what would prevent this from then from maybe who, – who stops this from, from happening? The coaches. coaches. Yeah. yeah. Coaches because don't want it to happen. It's never going to happen. It's inconvenient for them. They have no problem doing it themselves. But, ah, man, I might not get to play as much golf in June. But, but here's the funny thing. They all sit there and say, but everyone's going to be recruiting on our campus and the cheating is going to be off the chart. You know what, happening. Don't cheat then. And not to mention they're already doing it. But it's like it's not that hard. Just don't. You all are going to want these transfers. You all want to be allowed to fix your team with, through free agency more or less at the end of the year when you didn't land the recruits you wanted to land during this fall. I mean, I, and I guess if you really want to do you you could put a period of time on it. That, that if you want to transfer, here's your here's your window to do yeah. it in, and, and here's the window we're going to re-recruit you in and, and call it a day. There's a coach right now, a high major coach that I like a lot, like a lot. It's not Rick assistant Stan- coach. It's not Rick Stansberry. Though. It is not <laughs> assistant coach. He's got a transfer list for 2020 right now in his pocket. Likely's potentials, right? I mean, yeah. the guys that they're guys assuming. that he knows, yeah. they they might not even be in college yet. But this is how this recruitment went. This is his guy. I know that he's going to a place that he's not going to play. 2020, that kid's on my list. He's got one for 18. He's got one for 19. He's got one for 20. He's he's probably better at it than anybody in the country. One of the previous schools he was at rose to great prominence because he was great at it. Yeah. It's already happening. Give him, a, give him one. Now, I, I'm not... Talk about bouncing around constantly. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not good with that. Constantly picking and choosing your situation. But you get one. Why wouldn't you get one? And I'd actually disagree with you when you said you don't like the 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 schools being able to put restrictions. I would say 
let them transfer wherever they want, but well, let the school restrict. So then you can say, no, that school's tampering in our handshake line. You can't go there, but you can go anywhere else. Like if you, if you're worried about schools cheating, then let them restrict to certain schools. I'm fine with that. Yeah, but how long does the restriction list go? Whatever. Like you, you can say your conference and three more schools, okay. or your conference right. and one more school, or something like that. Like, okay. I don't think kids should be allowed to transfer in conference. I agree with that. No, I don't. I don't disagree with that either. Yeah. Uh, that part, I'll give you. I agree with that. Uh, at least you didn't go the, the route I thought you were going to go with your final take, which was the Jimmer shoes. Thank God you did not. You'll see those when I order them. All right. All right. All right so uh, we will. Levar buying his handyman a, a truck. Did you see that? Yeah. Touching, heartwarming video. That was sweeter than apple butter. Did you see it? I didn't see. Plus, it. Mello's just never even going to play in the MLA because he's going to be a multi-billionaire from his rap career and his I, shoes. I, I, I was going to say I tuned out Levar. All of a sudden, Levar's been his his handyman. He's got a handyman well, for who for Triple B. Who doesn't? And his handyman's truck broke down. And he bought him a truck. He brought him a fifty thousand dollar truck. Just a loving man, that the, Lavar. That's only what. That's a sale of what one hundred shoes. He did well then. Yeah. Good. Good work for him. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, fellas. We are back in uh, what next month, and then we start things just about uh, every week, twice a week. Yep. So we look forward to doing it. So Let's it's been, do it. been a good summer. Let's go. Basketball time right around the corner for Chad Brendel and for Rick Boring. I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us on today's Skinny College Basketball Podcast. <laughs>